This is My True Normal, a true crime and paranormal podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Lexi. Hello, friend. Hi there. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. We're, we're drinking matcha today. Lexi picked us up some matcha, so we're like in a good spiritual mood. I got her my matcha order. It's delicious. It actually is delicious. I was like, I don't want to try that. Give me where you're having. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're doing Arizona today. Yeah. Arizona, episode three. Let's go. Um, I'm back on true crime. Yeah. You're back on paranormal. Sure am. Are you, how do you feel about your story today? It's pretty good. It's not long and dark and scary like my last one. (laughs) Mine is long, (laughs) um, but it's not as dark and scary. Okay. Well, that's good. We could high five at the end. Hopefully, we'll see. Hopefully, we'll see what, what kind of mood I bring down. <laughs> the true crime is always the mood like destroyer. Like it's it a just downer, is. not an upper. Oh, it's a downer. <laughs> it makes me really soft. Honestly, Ugh. I can't. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add, or are we just kind of skipping the niceties today? We had a full-on conversation before we started recording <laughs> for like 30 minutes because so they I don't want to like, hear <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like we said everything that we needed to we've also um, already seen each other today we you know what we did do today oh, we could talk about that yeah let's t- let's talk about that so we go to spin together new yes. year new us she's been doing it but i'm new and uh we went to spin this morning and then afterwards we did a polar plunge and yeah and it was in a pool that they've had set up for about a week and we get out there and it's like ice covered chunk ice like Like, not even like just the top like you had to break the ice it was like literally (laughs) and we went in it i don't even know how long but it had to be almost two minutes it it definitely was like two to three minutes because we were in there just as long as a couple other people that Mm -hmm. and they got out before us Mm -hmm. so yeah, no, we did good. Yeah, no, it was. De- Are you gonna do it tomorrow? I, if I have time before work, I would oh, like to right. do it tomorrow. I mean, it has a lot of good um, health benefits. If people are wondering why we dipped ourselves in cold water, there are a lot of, you know, positivities to it, and we, I liked it. Yeah, you're supposed to put your head underwater, yeah. and I have barely gotten to the part where you like put mm-hmm. your arms into it. We'll work on that. <laughs> I feel like it's it, we're new to it, so like putting our head under, I'm sure, like wasn't a big deal, like. We we broke the ice, we should say. Yeah. Um shout out Leah. She's the hey. <laughs> she's the one who introduced everyone to it. I guess her and her husband do it every year and yeah. they go down to one of the ponds over here mm-hmm. and they get a jackhammer or whatever the hell. Oh and my god. Cut a That's hole cold, cold. cut a hole into the ice. Uh-uh. Isn't that crazy? It was it was cold enough i mean when i got changed my body was all red and then i drove the 20 minutes home and took my clothes off to like get into the shower and kyle put his <laughs> hand on my shoulder and he was like you're fucking cold i was like yeah. i know i'm still so cold like i wore my ugg boots today yeah i was so cold I feel like i couldn't shake it for a while i was in the hot shower and i was like damn trying to warm myself <laughs> up now well that's our our little fun oh, our little fun fact yeah no it's been cool I think they're keeping it up all it's winter. Cold. Oh, all winter. I heard all month, but if it's all winter, I'm in. I'm going to yeah. do that as often as I can. Yeah. You're supposed cool. to do it for about 11 minutes a week, I heard, from a few different people. So, yeah. Uh, cringe. So cringe. <laughs> it's fine, though. I mean, <clears throat> all about my health in this year. We're doing it. We're mm-hmm. getting it. 
Um, are you excited to go home next week? Yeah, I go to New York in three days, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I've only been home once since I've moved here, and it was for, like, two or three days, like, really quick. I didn't get to, like, see all the people I want to see and do the things I want to do. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to go home and, like, see my mom. Right. See my dog. I do have one request. Mm. Would you want to bring me back some hell of a good dip? Oh my god, text me and I will get you hell of a good dip. Yes. I feel like as an outsider to the West Coast, I like regularly mention things that like on this side they're like, what? Like they don't know what Carvel is. We don't have a Carvel up here. We don't have Dunkin' Donuts out here. Like the ice cream cake? Mm-hmm. Well, it's an ice cream shop. Oh. We yeah. have the Carvel ice cream cake. Yeah, like in the supermarket. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, and I just mentioned a furniture store and you were like, what? Like, <laughs> so I'm still getting used to these things. So I'm excited to go home and like divulge myself into some, some New York niceties. Yeah. I am jealous. Just text me. I got you. Yes. Hopefully I, ha- I can fit some bagels in my bag too. Oh my God. I may, <laughs> I might, uh, I, mm. <laughs> I don't even know how to like explain how I feel right now. Ugh, I can't wait. <laughs> Bacon, egg, and cheese. Stop it. All right. I'm hungry, so let's... Yeah, let's 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 move on to the spoofs, I guess, right? <laughs> the tricks and the treats. That's why everyone's here. Um, we've been now bantering for five minutes. At first we had nothing to say and now here we are. <laughs> well, happy five minutes. Okay, let's go. Okay, so we are in Arizona. Hey. And like I mentioned last week, I have like a weird love and fascination for Arizona, even though I was there once when I was like ten. I'm very excited to get to chat about some spookies i would like to visit there in this year it's on my bucket list um i am doing true crime so i'm gonna start um and my true crime story (laughs) is the story of the torso murder oh god nasty i know i thought about doing a little like (laughs) <laughs> switcheroo like I did in my first true crime and like tell the end of the story first and I was like no I already did that I can't do that again <laughs> so we're just gonna start from the the beginning of it and go through oh god okay um I'm gonna just start talking about these wicked people uh we're gonna start with Valerie Pape she is a France native she's a French woman mm. born and raised in France uh she was born into a wealthy family and was a silver spoon child. She gave everything to her, and she um, was used to just, like, extreme niceties in life. Okay. You know, she was very I bougie. Know, but... You can imagine her. <laughs> um, in her early 40s, she had just suffered a failed marriage, and during that failed marriage, she actually lost custody to their adoptive daughter, so she was, like, desperate to start new and kind of have a new life outside of that pain that she was in. So she decided she knew some people in Scottsdale, Arizona, and she moved out there in the early 1990s. I just want to know what Scottsdale is like in the 1990s because uh-huh. in 2022, it's a wild-ass time. Well, I do have my next bullet is that, and I heard a few people mention this in a few documentaries and um, in a few do- in a few uh, articles. It said that Scottsdale is the Beverly Hills of Phoenix. 
That's yeah, how they. It is. Yeah, it's I like would say so. The rich, classy, upscale town mm-hmm. to the city of Phoenix. Yeah, I would say so too. But it's a wild ass time. I have to go. I'll have to go. Um, you know that taco place that we went to the last time we were there. Last time we were where? Me and when me and Ross oh, went to yes that taco and we got the ceviche in the mm-hmm. coconut. It was in Scottsdale. I'll have to go. I will have to go. Yes, we'll have to go. <laughs> I was like, last time I went where? I've never been there. I, you just went there. I, I just I'm went being, there. I'm being. We got ceviche in a whole coconut. I'm jealous because this year, I mean, I've already made it all the way up to Utah, but I want to do some West Coast exploring. So I'm going to have to remember that. Let's make a trip. Once in Scottsdale, she started cosmetology school with plans to open her own salon. So she was kind of really jumping into this idea of a new life while completing her degree one of her clients recommended her to speak to her his son um that was single so she was kind of she had to like you know cut hair and do this and do that to kind of like complete her degree she had to like prove that she could do certain things and one of the things that she did was go to a like assisted living facility so mm-hmm. she was, like, cutting some old people's hair, and this man was like, um, I think you should talk to my son. He's single. You should you should go hang out with him. Okay. So really enticed by this idea of starting her new life, she was like, fuck it. And she was introduced to Irma Pomerantz, and the rest is history. They immediately fell in love, madly in love, very quickly. Irma and her were inseparable. Um... Irma Pomerantz also lived in Scottsdale. He was very wealthy. He was a playboy type of man. He Ooh. owned planes, jaguars, very uppity. He loved to earn money and spend it. So it was just like what she had been used to her whole life. So they were like match made in heaven at first. Inseparable. Very much so. He was in the garment industry, like trading expensive garments that were imported and like pieces of garments with retailers that's like what he does and he made like a shit ton of money doing that after doing that for many 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 years and becoming very rich he wasn't ready to retire and he started owning restaurants and nightclubs as his work Ooh, okay he was a pilot and he knew a lot of people he was very social and life of the party very much a ladies man so in scottsdale everybody knew him like he was like the guy Who's the go-to guy? Yeah, he was the the night goer. Okay. So once they met and fell in love, they had a very glamorous relationship really quickly. Their first date, they went to Las Vegas. Ooh. Yeah, so they were not your average couple. Um, After only six months of dating, they moved in together. Oh. And then only after a few months after that... Irma buys them a 40,000 square foot house. Oh. And then after he buys her a house, he buys her a ring. Oh. So nice of him. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's a great life story. You know, it sounds like every other Utah person. Yeah, really. They're, they're getting at it. Or usually Utah's a little bit quicker, but it's fine. Six months of dating and they live together and then three months they buy a house and then right after that he buys her a ring and they marry in 1995. Okay. Not long after marriage, Irma buys Valerie her salon. 
Oh, that's so cute. She is very excited to start this new business. And Valerie had a friend from cosmetology school that planned on opening the salon with her. But last minute, she got cold feet and she backed out. Mm. So Valerie was kind of left stranded. And she ended up recruiting her childhood friend, Michelle Savage, as a business partner. So Michelle is a man and he lived in France. And I might have just mispronounced his last name, but French. That's what it is. <laughs> and they had been like longtime childhood besties. So she was just kind of like, come here, come to Scottsdale, help me run this business. And he was down. He's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm coming to the States. Let's do it. But it was very last minute, like I've been saying. So Michelle moved in with Valerie and Irma to help run the company and just kind of stayed with them. He now lives with them. But they have this 40,000 square house. They had room. He was in a separate wing. And um, this next 20,000 square feet is going to be all yours. Yeah, that's that's for you, big guy. <laughs> so, so at least they had, like, the space to accommodate him. And he comes over and the company takes off. It does very, very well. And after only two years, Valerie has also made a pretty good name for herself in Scottsdale. So Valerie... And Irma, her husband. Um, oh my god, I've been saying his name wrong. It's Ira. Nobody nobody kill me. His name's Ira. Okay. <laughs> you were saying Irma and I was like, Oh, that's like a female name, but that's fine. I think it's because the guy's name is Michelle. So I was like just like mixing them together. I don't even know what I was doing. His name is Ira. Ira, not Irma. Cut that from the records. No, not really. So uh his name is Ira. Ira Pomowitz and uh, he has a very well-known reputation in Scottsdale, and now so does his wife, Valerie. Valerie's socialite status and being a salon owner got her invited to a lot of parties. <laughs> I wrote pirates, but I know I meant parties. <laughs> That's very funny, considering last week it's a very pirate. <laughs> Keeps being brought up. <laughs> so she gets invited to a lot of parties. A lot of gallery openings and just like a lot of big events. And she wants to stay in the limelight. She wants to keep her name up. So she goes to all these. And her husband, Ira, and her have wildly different schedules. He's a nightclub owner. He goes into work at two or three and he's out all night. She is up at the ass crack of dawn going, taking care of her salon, taking care of uh, clients, and then leaving. So they have complete opposite schedules. So once it comes to like these parties and these openings and these galleries she wants to be out there and keeping her name in people's mouths so she goes and she takes michelle and he escorts her to all the events and people start to notice they're like are they the couple i'm confused mm. she's almost never seen with her husband and rumors just start taking off um makes sense yeah i mean the rumors say that the amount of time and the closeness that valerie and michelle had together drove Ira to be insanely jealous, which I understand, and that started arguments in their marriage. So one of Ira's best friends, I think his name is Luis, we'll talk about him later, but he even mentioned, like, you know, he would come to me, Ira, and he would say things like, oh, my God, you know, people are talking about my wife and this man. Like, it makes me look bad, too. Like, I know I can't go to these things, but I can't stop these rumors from happening, and now she's always seen with this other man. So they start to argue a lot. And Ira reports feeling like a stranger in his own home. He lives with them. 
she's going out with him in the morning, coming back with him in the evening. They're doing everything together. And now Ira feels like he's the outsider in, in his safe space, not Michelle. So eventually he moves his stuff and he starts sleeping in another wing of the house because they're really having difficulties in their marriage. The couple also argued over money often and Ira would file for bankruptcy the same year he buys Valerie's salon. So he's got that money, money, money. And then he starts having trouble claiming that Valerie is, you know, kind of bleeding him dry. He has to close one of his restaurants, but Valerie's salon is, is doing great. So he's struggling, and she's not. So close friends of Ira say that he complained about their marriage and hinted at the possibility of filing for a divorce peacefully, just wanting out, just wanting, you know, to end things and leave it at that. The two had, um, you know, kind of not been spending a lot of time with each other. So they have these opposite schedules, and although he's – talking about divorce with his friends there's no proof that he has mentioned it to valerie at this point they know about it people kind of are assuming it's coming but valerie doesn't know that she's about to be divorced oh okay on january 26th of 2000 ira's best friend Luis grows concerned that he hadn't heard from ira in a week he goes from speaking to him three to four times a week normally at all hours of the day to just no contact for a whole week. So when he calls Valerie inquiring about, inquiring about Ira's whereabouts, Valerie said she didn't know and she hasn't seen him for a few days either. And at first this struck Luis as odd. Like, what do you mean you haven't seen your husband in a few days? But they always had opposite schedules. Ira was very free-spirited and spontaneous. And it wasn't unlike him to kind of take off for a few days and only worry about himself and just kind of not give a fuck about everyone else in his life. Okay. So she's like, I don't know. He's probably run to Vegas or done something. And Luis is like, no. I want to file for a missing persons report. And Valerie's kind of like, I feel like we're jumping the gun here. Like, I never see my husband, but sure. So Luis meets Valerie there, concerned, and takes time to file his report, but Valerie is extremely nonchalant and really thinks he's just out gallivanting, doing his thing, and she leaves the police station after being there for only five minutes. Oh, okay. Iris' family and Luis know that it's possible he's off, you know, having a good time, but usually it would only last a couple of days, not five, six, seven, with no contact, no yeah. update. Right. And she's not concerned. Well. But the real issue is she's not concerned because. Their marriage is. Yeah. He, he has kept up contact with his. He has two daughters. Two adult daughters. With them and his best friend. But he doesn't with his wife. Because mm -hmm. they're having issues. So right. they're kind of freaking out. And are upset that she's not freaking out. But she's like. We don't even talk. Like, right. So it's kind of like. Like, he sleeps in a different part of the house. Yeah. Like, why would I care? Yeah, so it's kind of, it looks bad because she's like. Eh, whatever. Yeah. So she's already kind of looking not the best. Yeah, okay. Less than 24 hours after the missing persons report was filed, a delivery man at about 5 a.m. in, is it Mesa, Arizona? Do you know? I think it's Mesa. Mesa. So at about 5 a.m. in Mesa, Arizona, he was parked behind a supermarket and he saw someone he sees someone park a jaguar 
get out of the vehicle, pop open their trunk, and lift a very large and heavy object that they toss into a dumpster and take off. Oh. Okay. Not sure what to make of this and wanting to stick to his deliveries and his schedule, he continues his day, finishes his route, and decides to talk this over and talk about his suspicions with another delivery driver. The other delivery driver is like, mm-mm. I watch true crime. I listen to true crime documentaries. No. They went back to the dumpster. Well, not only that, he was just like, that seems fishy. We're going to go. We're going to go see. He gets real involved. So they went back to the dumpster. They see a large garbage bag. It's now daytime. And they're like, okay, we're just overthinking it. You know, they have razor blades that they keep with them to kind of open up their packages. Right. The one guy, not the one who sees it, the other guy, he takes out. His razor, he stabs the bag, he takes it out, and his blade is covered in blood. Oh, God. Ew. (laughs) Here we go. They flag down an officer who's driving by, and the officer decided to investigate the package in the dumpster himself, and he is horrified by his discovery. Oh, God. I'm going to be sick. (laughs) Do you have a guess? Oh, God. It's a torso. Ew. (laughs) Torso murder. It's a torso. No head. No arms, no legs, cut off at the neck and cut off at the waist. Gag. No distinguishing marks on the body. No tattoos. There's no prints. There's no dental. There's no way to identify who this person is. Ew. Okay. So. Sorry. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, if you ever called me and were like, look. I saw this really sketchy thing. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, let's go. But <laughs> the moment you pulled out a fucking box blade. cutter or whatever, <laughs> and we're like, all right, here we go. I'd be like, no, you're on your don't. own. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, what do you mean? We just drove all the way here. What are we going to do? Look at the garbage bag in the dumpster? <laughs> I don't know what I would do, but. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. They're like, I think what it is is like the first driver is just like freaking out. And the second guy is like yeah no uh, something's up we gotta go we gotta go look into this otherwise we're both not sleeping (laughs) so (laughs) if that's not me and you (laughs) literally and there's no way to identify like who this person is because there's there's no prints there's nothing like there's no way so the only thing they can they can tell is that it it is a man yeah yeah biologically it's a man so after talking to the delivery driver he is able to recall that he thinks it was a woman who dumped the bag, who got out of the Jaguar, is about five feet petite, and wearing high heels. It is five o'clock in the morning. This woman is wearing high heels dumping a body. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I'm like, Let no, me this is Gucci. a G. She was also reported wearing a jumpsuit. Like, that's what he saw her in, was a jumpsuit. I'm like, was she in Juicy Couture in heels and she's dumping a body? Like, who is this bitch? Sorry, I mean, I'm sure sweetie, we can take a guess. I leave a but... little early today. Oh, my you God. You look fabulous, darling. Thank you. <sighs> in her little heels. At 5 a.m., she's dumping a body in heels. Like, respect. The driver did not oh, – I'm sorry. The driver did take note of the license plate of the, dri- of the Jaguar before leaving – and deciding whether the event was suspicious or not. So pretty much he sees this woman dump the body and is like, I think that's suspicious. I'm going to take note of her license plate just in case. But then kind of hymns and haws all day whether that it is something to be worried about. Then comes in the friend and we know what happens after that. So he couldn't remember at first that it was a woman. But, you know, after he's thinking about it, he's like, no, it's definitely a woman. She's wearing high heels. You know what? I, 
I did write down her license plate when I saw it. And the plate comes back as Valerie Pate. Oh, God. So, you know what they got to do. By Friday, January 28th, 2000, it had been 24 hours since a man's dismembered torso had been discovered at the grocery store, and they had to arrest a 47-year-old Valerie Pape. So within the first 24 hours of finding this, they got her arrested. Hallelujah. Valerie and Ira's marriage had been estranged. Valerie had been rumored of having a lover. You know, the rumors are spreading about Michelle. And had now been seen dumping a torso into a dumpster. But they still had no evidence that this body is Ira's. So he's missing. She's rumored about having an affair. She's rumored about not caring about him missing. They fill out a Mrs. Per- missing persons report, but they can't prove that it's him because right now they just have a torso. Okay. So they need more. More like evidence. Yeah. They need her to, they desperately need her to like admit that it's him. Yeah. Or they have to ID the body in some other way. Um, but they do have more than probable cause to investigate her, obviously, because of all those things I just listed. Valerie denies, denies, denies it's her until the police pretty much tell her, like, all right, you've been caught red-handed. Like, we know this was you. We just got to figure out who this guy is. Like, And we can, we can guess who it is. It's just that we need proof of it. So once she's like, what do you mean? And they're like, you're arrested regardless. Like, you were seen dumping a body. Her, st- her story completely changes, and she claims that she comes home on January 24th in the morning, and she finds her husband in a pool of blood, face down, dead in their kitchen. So, oh, casual. She, yeah. She says she has no affiliation to it, and then they're like, listen, you're caught. And she's like, all right, fine. I found my husband dead in the kitchen. She, I'm just going to go throw him away real quick. Yeah, I'm just going to go dismember him and throw him away. So she claimed she did not call call 911 because she feared she would be blamed for his death. She's like, I'm not from here. English is my second language. I was I thought for sure you guys were just going to think, you know, I killed him, so I don't call 911. So to me, in my head, I'm like, uh, what's worse? Finding your husband's dead body or being caught dumping dumping it dismembered? Like, come on, let's play our options here, lady. This woman. We know which one she chooses. So now she's kind of admitting she didn't call the authorities because she was scared and just dumped the body to not have it on her property. But then who dismembered it? Is she confessing to dismembering it? What, like, what is the story here? Once police start questioning this, she lawyers up and the interview ends. Okay. She denies responsibility for the murder time and time again. Nonetheless, prosecutors book Valerie in Maricopa County Jail and charge her with first-degree murder, which is, as we know, extremely serious. Mm-hmm. They still needed to confirm that the, the torso is Ira's, so they perform an autopsy, and they get DNA from his two daughters, and they confirm that it is Ira Pomerantz. That's so sad. The autopsy not only identifies the body, but also discovers striations that indicate that the body had been killed earlier and then frozen and then dismembered. Because it's easier to cut a frozen body than a fleshy one, I guess. 
Makes Excuse sense. Excuse <laughs> me? So they have all this. They know it's Ir- Ir- I almost said Irma again. Ira's body. And although the body had been cut off at the neck, they find evidence because it's like cut off. I, if you're watching the video, it's like cut off like at his neck. But they find evidence that the body had died due to a gunshot in the back of the neck. So they don't have the bullet, but they have like, I guess, like the rest of the injury on the torso. So they can prove that he had died from a gunshot to the back of his neck. And they suspected that she had been driving dumpster to dumpster, kind of dropping parts of the body that were now long gone, taken, thrown into the dump. That's what they think. There were guns throughout their house, and there was also a hidden gun in her Jaguar, the Jaguar that had been spotted at the dumpster. But without his head with the bullet in it, they can't actually like tie it to her gun. Because right. they don't have the bullet. So no bullets were actually recovered to kind of do the investigating on what, bull- what kind of gun even shot it. They just know it's a bullet wound. Okay. However, in the kitchen of their home, the k- kitchen she has claimed to found his dead body, the police, during their investigation, find a bullet lodged into the wall, and that bullet matches the gun in her car. Ooh. <laughs> so he is found dead. In his kitchen, dead by a gunshot wound, and there is a bullet in the wall that matches her, her gun in her car. While searching the house, not only did they find the bullet, but they found receipts on her credit card from her purchasing a reciprocating saw, but never found the saw. So her first mistake was using her credit card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and according to the dates on the receipt from the credit card, she bought it. A whole month before Iris disappears. Disappearance. I keep stuttering. A reciprocating saw is a handheld saw commonly used for demolition and remodeling. So I felt like that was important to put in so you can make your own judgments whether you'd be like, why does this lady need a saw? It is a saw for kind of like remodeling. For cutting up the body. Yeah. She was five foot tall, maybe 100 pounds. Ira was 5'11 and close to 200 pounds. So dismemberment seems like the only way she could have gotten a body out of the house based on her size. The driver of the delivery truck reports she seriously struggled to get the bag out of the car. So how could she have done this all alone? How did she kill him? How did she cut up his body? Michelle is suspected of helping her immediately. They're like, who could be tied to this? Her lover? He's investigated. He's investigated with the dismemberment, and they use the possibility of an affair as his motive. Hmm. Her being seen dumping the body and the saw receipt and the bullet in the wall coming from her gun in her vehicle was all piling against her. She was held without bail waiting for trial in Maricopa County Jail. However, Michelle was found as they don't have enough any evidence at all to really kind of hold him they clear him of any involvement in the case because they have no proof so once he's kind of cleared of it he brings the case to the attention of the french consultants and 
Is that the word? No. Consulants? I'm assuming it's like French government. Consulants? Yeah, French consulants? Like the, Sorry. The consulate is. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm dumb. <laughs> because Valerie was a French citizen. She was not from here. And the reason why Michelle does this is because he knows, and they did, take immediate interest in the case. First-degree murder would mean the death penalty here for Valerie, but France had outlawed the death penalty, and this would cause a huge international incident if prosecutors did push for her death. Okay. Which really pissed off ira's daughters because they were like well by all of our laws here she should if she's found guilty for this she should die Mm -hmm. at the time and in arizona like she should be held to the death penalty she met all the requirements for it do you know if the death penalty is still active in arizona in arizona um i feel like i should know the answer to that but i don't okay sorry no um (laughs) i mean it was 2000 so it was 20 years ago but i feel like i don't know it wasn't like a crazy long time ago, so probably mm. I could Should look into it. it. Yeah, let's Google it. I'm going to Google it real quick. Do it. I mean, I don't know. They. This is why Michelle brings it to like the France government's attention, because he's like, they're going to kill her. Oh. So it looks like lethal injection was the method in Arizona. And it is yeah, legal still. It is legal. Yeah. Wow. So you can still be killed in Arizona for a capital punishment. Oh my god. And um wild. I sh- she met all the requirements for it if she were to be held guilty. Okay. So that's why the French government's like, hold up and they take immediate interest. Um Iris' family does believe she's a gold digger and was afraid of him filing for this divorce. So in order to keep his money, he had to die while they were still married. That's what they are suspecting. They're, sorry. sorry. But didn't he not have any money? So that's, that was the thing. That's what all of his family suspected and kind of like used as their like testimony when they spoke to cops and they spoke to investigators. But then they were like, but he filed for bankruptcy and right. her business is doing fine. So why would she need So that was kind money? of like her defense team's defense yeah. because the, they're thinking, oh, she killed him for the money. But they're like, no. He had no money. He but broke. he was the Scottsdale native, like, limelight guy, parties, whatever. Although she was making a name for herself, he he was there first. He's the guy. So mm-hmm. she could have been afraid that once they got divorced, he would just shit on her and then she'd lose business. Okay. So that it went sense. back and forth. Um, there were also rumors of some domestic abuse that defense would use as sort of a way to get her out of first degree murder um, in order to avoid her being found not guilty for first degree and her walking free with no justice, the prosecutors offer her a deal to plea and to plea it out of sec to plea it out to second degree murder. So pretty much the defense team is working hard and they're like, well, it could be domestic abuse, blah blah blah. And they're worried the jury won't see it as first degree murder if domestic abuse is involved. So they're like, mm, if they don't find her guilty of first degree like, she'll be found not guilty. So, in order to charge her with something, they plea it to second-degree murder. Okay. And to 
I'm sorry, I just lost my spot. Okay. The plea agreement terms allow her <laughs> to be sentenced for anywhere between 10 to 15 years in prison. So Ira's family's furious that she would only serve 16 years at the worst, and that would not be enough for what Valerie had done to them. And they're also scared that if she doesn't take the plea and she is found not guilty, she'll walk free. So they're like back and forth with like, okay, we want her to serve something, but we also don't want her to be found not guilty of second degree murder. Oh, first degree murder. I'm sorry. Right. On August 20th, 2002, Valerie pleads guilty to second degree murder, takes the plea deal, and she does that so she doesn't have to face prison for life. Mm-hmm. Or like the death penalty. Yeah. Okay. So she shows no remorse or responsibility during the whole trial. She shows no guilt to her crime. In fact, she was asked to disclose where the rest of Ira's body was and was even begged by one of the daughters in court so that they could, quote, bury him whole even three years later. Oh, my God. So they're continuously pushing for this and asking for it, and she's showing no responsibility for it and she just doesn't give a fuck i like watched a statement on one of the daughters like talking about this event like her asking so she could bury her father whole and she says that valerie kind of looks at her dumbfounded like what do you mean like i don't know and she just like shows that she doesn't care so valerie remains playing dumb and she never gave a hint anything regarding to the where the rest of his body is it has not been found Mm. nobody knows like i said earlier they suspect that she dumped it in other dumpsters and they're gone but this alone seriously displeases the judge so he does give her the harshest he can give and sentence her for 16 years okay in the what did i say the mariscopa county jail um the french government did try to intervene And they had tried to transfer her back to France after only three years in this jail. The transfer started to go through, but was all in all denied by the Arizona government once they hear that Ira's daughters requested that she was not. They want her to at least serve her 16 years there in Arizona because they were afraid that she would be put on parole or given a lesser sentence if transferred. Okay. So after her 16-year sentence, at the age of 62, Valerie returns to France in February of 2016. Oh. And was deported. Um, she is reportedly living there now, not in jail. And Iris' family is disappointed and devastated that they have never learned what truly happened to their father, how he died, essentially, and where his body is. And she's just living in France right now. That makes me so sad. Yep. Oh, my God. That's uh, Valerie. That's Valerie Pape. That's the torso murder. Oh, my God. That's so sad and awful. I'm sorry. That was a lot. Wow. No, it was, like, the perfect amount, but that's so sad. Yeah. I watched a Snapped episode. Ooh, those are so good. I know. And you know what? I watched one on the first story I did on Audrey Murray Hilly, too. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait, there's one for this, too. I'm watching it. Because I love that show. <laughs> and the, uh, their daughter, like, Ira's daughter, says a lot. He has two. But, like, the one daughter says, like, a lot. Like, he's like, yeah, my father was shitty. Yeah, he was a bad person. Yeah, he only cared about himself. But, like, I don't care. Like, I want to know where his body is. He's still my father. Like, right. you, you murdered him and you won't even, like, admit that you 
The only reason why she ever admits any kind of involvement is because the police are like, we gotcha. Like, we, we have you. And that's it. And then even in, in court, she's like, I don't know. I so don't do you know. think that if that delivery driver never saw her, do you think she would have been caught? That was something I also wanted to mention because, yeah, pretty much the police said if this driver did not come forward with that, the dumpster would have been emptied later in the day. And just like the rest of his body, no one would be able to tie to any. Like, yeah, I'm sure they would be suspicious of her, but they would have a shit ton less evidence. Like, she probably would have never sent, been sentenced to anything. Oh, my God. So if you see something, say something, because <laughs> essentially that's where we're at. Like, right. he, if it wasn't for him, there would have been a lot more unanswered questions. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I feel like we could have five to it. True crime. Yeah. High five. Did it. Woo! Arizona. Dun. Dun, dun, dun. True crime. Love that for us. I'm... The downer. Okay. You're story was so scary i'm ready to be scared now <laughs> okay so mine's not super long but it's a good one so we're in it to win it i'm in it um shout out atwwd hey for this one um also wikipedia and google because why not shout out all my things <laughs> oh god are, are we shouting out our sources uh, I don't even know mine. Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> Google. Snaps. Shout out Google. <laughs> First three links on Google. <laughs> I love a good ATWWD. That's my oh, yeah. favorite podcast. Same. That's how we bonded. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So my story is going to be taking place in Jerome, Arizona. Oh, okay. And it is about the Jerome Grand Hotel. Yes. Another hotel. Yes. Ooh. Another hotel. But it's a good one. I feel like it's kind of better than my Alabama one. I love a good spooky hotel. I don't know how many times I could say it. So I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Okay, so I'm just going to go over the history and then we'll get into it. Okay. Okay, so Jerome, Arizona is known to be the city of ghosts, Ooh. according to Zach Bacons. Love a good Zach Bacon. <laughs> um, Jerome has more ghosts than actual residents. Fun fact. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Grand Hotel is a national historical landmark, and it is also the tallest building in the Verde Valley. Okay. The town of Jerome was established as a copper mining town in 1876, but eventually Shield. destroyed about 20 years later from all the town fires and all the mm. mining explosions and okay. all that kind of stuff. So, in 1927, the Verde Hospital was built on top of Cleopatra Hill, um, and it was built to replace an older hospital. Cleopatra Hill is a super, super, super steep hill, and when they were trying to pour the concrete for the hospital, they would pour the concrete at a 25-degree angle, or sorry, a 50-degree angle. Oh, my God. Because it was so steep. Yeah. Oh, uh, shoot. Yeah, it was really... Can you imagine pulling your truck up and... <laughs> no, I don't want to drive up that. No, thank you. Um, So the hospital was built to help with the mining town, Um, all of their things that were happening, like the flu, tuberculosis, mm. um, mining accidents that would happen during the mining seasons. Um, When it was a hospital, it was known to be the most modern hospital in Arizona. Okay. It was so modern in the 1920s because it had the following. 
location call lights, balconies, sun porches, emergency backup lights, self-service elevators, an ice room, lavatories, an x-ray room, major and minor surgery facilities, men, women, and children wards, private and semi-private rooms, blanket warming closets, <laughs> and housing for staff. Oh, wow. Yeah. Why don't you just live at your job? There you go. <laughs> it was so modern. The hospital was built on the steep hill, like I said. Okay. Um, it contained so much cement that it was basically um, built to withstand dynamite blasts so they could like recover from all of the mining yeah. explosions. It had 130 tons of dynamite, or it, it could withstand the 130 tons of dynamite oh hot damn that's a lot i feel like mm-hmm. nothing i know a lot about dynamite but that's like wow yeah um the locals would call it by a, a definition that it would be an above ground bomb shelter mm. okay fun fact the self-serve elevator was installed in 1926 and it is still in use today and it is named one of the oldest self self-used elevators in Arizona. I think an old air an old Arizona. An old <laughs> elevator does not sound like something I want to check out. Yeah. Well that's cool, but not going on that. Yeah. <laughs> I the elevators are kind of sketchy in the mm. story. Yeah. So this is kind of the beginning of why it gets all crazy. Okay. So a few years into the hospital being built, mm-hmm. a maintenance man named Claude was found at the bottom floor with his body next to the elevator. Remind you, just his body. While his head was found pressed against the doors. Uh. (laughs) But with that, they don't know if it was either a suicide or if it was a homicide. Do you mean like between the two doors of the elevator? Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. So picture of the elevator right yeah his body was against the elevator yeah and his head is like o- on the other side of the over elevator here. pretty much yeah. like bodies on one side of the elevator heads on the other yep. they end up separating yep oh my god that's disgusting yep Ugh. yeah <laughs> um like with with <laughs> um with that they didn't know if it was a suicide or a homicide mm-hmm. because he either you know, he purposely laid there while the elevator was going down, yeah. or someone pinned him down. <gasps> Another theory was that it could be an accident, but during that time, the elevators could go 500 feet a minute when this elevator was going 80 feet a minute. Okay. So, he purposely laid there, or he was pinned there against his will. Okay, I get it. I fully picture it now. Oh my mm-hmm. god, Okay. Um, that was just one of many, many, many deaths that happened, but this is kind of like the most main one that is known. Traumatic. Um, it did happen in the basement. Um, of course. Fun fact, if you ever want to take like a ghost tour or something there, when you go down into the basement, they have his body taped out still, <laughs> and you can lay in it. No. But. No. And then they also have the tape of where the head was. Okay. If I ever die <laughs> tragically and like a hundred years later people lay in the same position that my body was found, I'm gonna be pissed. No wonder why he haunts this place. I'm assuming he's coming back. When um I was watching the Ghost Adventures Zach, <laughs> Zach Bagans <laughs> He got in it. Oh, of course he did. He loves to just like taunt all the spirits. Honestly. 
So in 1950, the hospital closed, but the owner okay. kept it, hoping hoping that it would turn into something eventually. While it was vacant, the mm -hmm. owner hired a man. Um, they didn't really say what his name was. They kind of just gave him gave him the nickname of what his name was. Okay. Um, and his nickname was Hoff. Okay. So the owner paid Hoff to live there while it was vacant. Mm -hmm. So. He could be there in case any, like, homeless people tried to get in there or, like, trespassers Vandalism, or, whatever. or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I hear you. Um, um, while he was living there, he... Two weeks before, sorry. So, okay. <laughs> My brain. <sighs> this is just not working out for me right now. Okay. I'm going to edit this Woo? part out again. <laughs> Um, so while it was vacant, he ended up dying in the hospital. Of course he did. Yeah. Hoff. Yeah. Hoff did. Oh, of course. But two weeks before he died, he was telling people that he was seeing yet another woman in white that would come to his room every night and he just wanted her to go away. So he committed suicide. Sage that, please. Sage it up. Yeah. It, that's what I said. Get some holy water. <laughs> he just wanted her to go away, so that was his Oh, my God. Um, in the 1970s, this is the time period that the hippies started moving everywhere. Mm -hmm. They started moving in. Um, before they started moving into Jerome, the population was less than 100 people. So thank God that they started moving in. <laughs> because not a lot of people. Um, because of the hippies, it made the population boom again. Tourism okay. came back, so they needed this old hospital to be a hotel for all these people to be in here. Okay. So they turned the old hospital to a hotel. Okay. In 1966, it was purchased to become the Jerome Grand Hotel. Today, it is the most preserved building in Arizona. 95% of the building is original structure. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so bomb shelter. Gonna... Brick of a building. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. It's it's uh, dynamite proof. Yeah, not many, not many can say that. <laughs> dynamite proof. Um, so this is just gonna start building up to the ghost. Okay. Uh, just alone in the hospital, there were nine thousand deaths just at this hospital. Oh, okay. <laughs> Some of the rooms still have the original amenities in this room in the. In their rooms from mm -hmm. when it was a hospital. So some of the rooms still have nurse call lights. The trash chute is original as well. Um, from when they would, you know, throw the trash down, dispose of some bodies, do whatever oh. they need to. Oh. But it's the same trash chute. Casual head. <laughs> Since the 1920s, the building has always been known for how haunted it is. The front desk crew keeps a record of all the paranormal experiences that the guests report or the staff reports. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. Not like the Redmond where they... No, you need, you need to bank on that. Yeah. You need staff that's going to be like, you want to <laughs> talk about some haunted shit? I'm in. Mm -hmm. With it being one of the most haunted hotels, they have a lot of people that call and try and set up, me and my team want to come investigate, yeah. blah, 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 blah. One of the biggest teams that came to the jerome hotel it was a group of 14 people and they stayed the night and they got over 40 hours of activity evidence that's a lot in one night oh my oh my gosh well in, 40 hours in one night 
Well, like, if they put it all together. I see what like, you're saying. Between okay, okay, okay. 14 people. Yes, I see what you're saying. 14 yeah. people could all be happening at the same mm-hmm. time. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Damn, 14 people. That probably means that all of them or most of them caught some sort of EBP yeah. or video or something. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. This uh, hotel is very active in the paranormal world. Woohoo. Uh, fun fact. You like the FF I got on there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they also do, when you go and check in, at the Jerome Hotel, they okay. do offer a ghost package, <laughs> and you, they give you equipment to do investigating. Um, and if you survive the entire night, you get 10% off. If Ooh. you survive. If you keep your head on. <laughs> Gosh darn. Okay, so let's get into some ghosty ghosts. Spook me. Lots of these are quotes, so mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. But mm-hmm. they also just are like reported okay. type stuff. So, the owner that lives there now, um, he was raised in the hotel as a child because his family was the one who bought it in the 1920s for it to become the Jerome Hotel. That's fucking cool. He said, we probably, this is a quote, we probably get two to three calls um, from paranormal teams each day requesting to do an investigation. One of the biggest groups that would come in is the group of 14 that I told you about already. Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, so the owner of the hotel said in an interview that he tries not to go into the hotel because the rooms are the most haunted. Oh, my God. There are times that he'll ask um, his, like, staff to go do things for him yeah. while he's not there because he just refuses to go. Sometimes when he is in the building, if he walks past one of the rooms... He will say, sorry, excuse me, or sorry, I bothered you, just to be safe. Oh, my just God. Just to make sure that he's not... He knows what's up. Yeah. He grew up there. The The hotel freaks him out so much. To be, mm. to even be inside, He so he really tries not to be in the building. Okay. Some of the things that will happen is that the hotel plaques in the lobby will lift themselves off the walls and fling themselves across the lobby. Oh, my God. Yeah, so you just randomly... Mind your head. I keep talking about your head, but, like, (laughs) mind your body. There might be a plaque that's flung at you. Mind the gap. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, another... That's the name of this episode. Mind your head. Mind your head. (laughs) (laughs) No, really, because ours are both about headless things. Oh, my God. That's it right now. You just saw that creative (laughs) light spark in my head. I have to remember to write that down. Um, another one... That has been highly reported is obviously the lady in white. She apparently is an old mer- nurse okay. that is that has a guilt-ridden, like that's why she's still there. She's so yeah. guilt-ridden about some of her patients that died under her watch. Oh my god! Some records say that she had one patient throw himself off of a balcony when she had her back turned to him because it was her job to take care of this man and yeah. watch him, and she had her back turned for just a second and he jumped off and so oh she's so guilty so a lot of people report this woman in white because they think you know she's trying to find this yeah guy. she's just like stuck feeling that yeah uh there's another report that there's a shadow figure that will be staring at you while you walk up the <laughs> stairs Not the and shadow once <laughs> and once you make eye contact with it it will pretend like it wasn't looking at you and it will just keep walking <gasps> up the stairs like it will just be like oh it caught, it caught me Going. Oh my god! So mm-hmm. gaslights you. Yeah, <laughs> gaslighting Shadow Man. He's like, I wasn't looking at you. <laughs> How scary is that? What are you looking at? 
<laughs> no, terrifying. <laughs> Another one is the infamous maintenance man, Claude. Okay. He's been reported to be heard whispering, walking around, cleaning, doing his things all in the basement. Okay. <laughs> That's of course, it. in the basement. <laughs> right. Where else would you be? Uh, there's another report of a bearded man that will be seen in all of the bedrooms and all of the floors in every part of the hotel, mm-hmm. no matter what time it is during the day or night. He could literally just show up in your bedroom every night. You're like, oh, hey. Oh, so up, he's man? like the most frequent because he's just freaking he's everywhere. He's just there. Nobody really knows who oh, he is, okay. but he's there. Okay, you see the beard man? Yeah, yeah no kidding. Shoot. Um, and then okay. on the third floor, that's kind of where more people have the most experience there's a lot of reports of people hearing screams um they feel like their skin is tingling on the third floor but if you look far back into the history the third floor is where the burning unit was we're on the third floor right now do you feel tingly no (laughs) but that's (laughs) that's terrifying but burn unit so it's just people who in these explosions and these fires and whatever Mm -hmm. are just like freaking out and now they haunt that level awesome Good for you. That's yeah. probably the they one of the most terrifying ways to go. Like all tingly, like your skin's like burning. your skin's on fire. Mm-hmm. That's got to be one of the worst ways to die. Yeah, just burn to death. Uh, there is a really, really super friendly cat named Kitty. Um, you can invite it to come and sleep with you, and you'll you can feel it climb up onto your bed, and it has like make paw prints on your bed. Sometimes people have reported to see like wet paw prints in your bathroom like it was a, playing like, little, in the water little pawing uh-huh. sorry i know i just was on my phone kyle's wondering if he can come in i'm like no you have to wait a few minutes we're still recording <laughs> um sorry. i hate the the pet the pet ghosts no matter where we're at because i'm like what why are you stuck here you're too pure for this you need to leave or is it even really a cat it is a cat that's what makes because... me think like is it a demon no it's a, cat. It's a good one it's a good one. okay because a lot of people, if you tell it, oh, we're going to take a picture of you, it will show up in pictures. Aww. A lot of people have pictures of this gray cat under their oh, bed. Kitty. Or they have, uh, in the hotel, they have this really famous picture of the cat that somebody took. Because mm. it was like, we're going to take a picture of And you. then the cat was in it. And it was just sitting there and they took a picture and it's like framed in the front desk. He's just looking to, what do they call it? Make muffins? Yeah, he's When they so like need. He's looking to make muffins on you. <laughs> Uh, room 32 is the most haunted room, and very few people end up staying in that room mm-hmm. the entire night. Um, they'll say people are, they guests report that there's people that are laying on their bed. People, they feel someone laying in bed with them. No. They have people screaming next to them in bed. Screaming They're, next to them in bed, yeah. away from home. Yes. No. Mm-mm. Yes. How creepy is that? You're I just like, like walk into your room and there's another person in your bed and you're like, oh, fuck. I think I go great. Um, I definitely don't have to work out all week because my heart rate just got elevated <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, electronics will turn on their own. Should water? This is still room 32. Mm. All of your electronics will turn on on their own. The shower and bath and all that kind of stuff, the sink, will go on as well. Mm. It will get to the point where it will flood your room oh my so god that room has been flooded much. so many times <gasps> oh my god yeah um there's also lots of reports of people making noises walking past that door of like room the, 32 of the, okay yeah back and forth so many times like it's really noisy 
Oh, man. And so a lot of people don't stay in that room because it's so haunted. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'd be like, yeah, that's cool to be here, but don't give me that room. The creepiest thing about room 32 is that there is a five-year-old that runs around the room and giggles at you. <laughs> that's when I'm like, are you a child or a demon? I'm going back to that again. Are you a child or a demon? Yeah. No. Why are you laughing at me? That's I so would, funny. No, I, no, I'm <laughs> laughing in nervousness because no, I'm like, saying the child. You're saying the child giggles. <laughs> like I'm like, like, why are you laughing at me? Like, this what is not funny. This is not funny. What did I do? <laughs> if I ever ran into a child ghost, it'd freak the fuck out. <laughs> What's scarier, children or men? <laughs> oh my god. Um, sometimes they'll have to call back because. People are unable to get out of the room. So if staff is checking mm. in on, on a room, they'll come in. Either the door has been slammed and locked behind them or they're trying to exit the room. And it's like somebody's pushing them to like stay in the room. Oh, my God. No. So there's like someone blocking them. Yeah. So staff, they want them to stay there. Yeah. So staff usually do things in a duo just to be on mm. the safe side. Need a buddy. Buddy system. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes you can hear patients crying and yelling and screaming no the jerome police department is very aware Mm. of this building Mm -hmm. because they do get lots of calls and reporting of people to come and check on the hotel yeah like oh someone's screaming yeah they've responded at least over 100 times in the last year um the sheriff of the jerome police department he said that at least 40 percent of their their calls are due to paranormal experiences. Can you imagine? God forbid, you went there and something did happen to you, and the police are like, oh, "You cried, fucking ghost." Yeah, and then they take no, forever to really. get there, and then you're like, "No, I'm actually dying." Yeah, no, really, that's that's what it is. But they, it's a good forty sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they come to all of it, but yeah, it's just there's lots of trespassing kids that go around, and so they have to go and do that. But there are lots of reports of certain parts of the hotel that are closed and don't have power that all of the lights will be turned on and mm-hmm. they'll go and be like there's no power here so why are the lights on so yeah you know, it's paranormal so they have okay. to respond at a certain amount of time because a good amount of it is just like trespassing yeah kids there's people or whatever yeah. but a lot of it is due to the paranormal the sheriff is like very aware of that it's haunted yeah he's like yeah it's there's a, a fucking understanding ghost. Yeah. gotcha mm-hmm. someone reported when they were staying there they heard someone whisper in their ear saying be careful i'm in here with you <laughs> great and so they got up and walked out <laughs> another guest reported that they have seen a d- dark figure walking back and forth in their room um, a couple was staying in the old x-ray room, and they had the EMF detectors to, like, communicate with ghosts and stuff, and they were laying on their bed, and they put it on their chest, and the EMF detectors were going off crazy. I can't. And they said that they felt like there were compressions going on on their chest, so it was, like, like, you have goosebumps. goosebumps right now. <laughs> yeah, because I keep hearing someone bump on another floor, and you're, like, talking about this, and I'm, I'm so like, sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> But yeah, so they would feel like compressions on their chest. Mm-hmm. And it was like someone's trying to get them there. Um, people have also said they've seen a child looking for their father, like walking down the halls and asking, have you seen my dad? Da, 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 da. Things will move on their own. Appliances will turn on and off um, on their own as well. Um, people also hear coughing, sneezing, moaning, crying, and laughing. 
sometimes the maids will hear their names being shouted from another room like it was one of their coworkers. Mm-hmm. And when they go and check, no one is there. So the maids will tell the ghost to stop being annoying. <laughs> They'll be like, shut the fuck up. You're being annoying tonight. Like, nope, stop. That's when I'm like, buddy system for that, too. Yeah. I'm and not so cleaning this room without you. The ghost will stop bothering them for a couple of days. And then, they're, mm, they're then like, they come yeah, back around. Bitch, you fucking thought. <laughs> you fucking thought. <laughs> <laughs> the lobby furniture will rearrange on themselves. The front desk will also receive many phone calls from empty bedrooms. Usually there's no one on the other end of the calls. Okay. The, there is an angry spirit there. Um, he will make you feel irritable um, if he's staring at you. People have reported they hear others talking outside of the elevator door. And when the door is open, there is no one there. Or they can feel that somebody just walked into the elevator with them. Okay. There is a report of a child that likes to hide at the foot of your bed and watch you sleep. And when, if you wake up and you see the child, it will run away to another part of your room and hide. <laughs> no. Yeah. I feel like that's my reaction to everything. It's just like a laugh and a no. <laughs> oh, there's no. a hidden child in my room now? Mm-hmm. It's just an Why extremely haunted place. There was lots of bad things. There, there was one thing that I was reading that they had a group of people doing an investigation mm-hmm. and... Like I said, each room had the old amenities from the hospital. Yeah. And so they still have the nurse call lights. Yeah. And they were taking pictures and all this stuff, and the nurse call light turned on by itself. And as soon as it was started flashing, there was an orb, like, going through so you could see the nurse yeah, being there. Coming to answer the call light. No. No, thank you. <laughs> and, like, kids hiding... Makes me think of that scene in The First Insidious. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Yes. I'm a huge scary movie lover. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my thing. And it makes me think of the tiptoe by the window. Oh, my God. And, like, the kid running. And, and then he hides in the little, like, you know, closet thing. No. Yeah. No, thank you. No kids hiding in my room. Yeah. One of the staff members yeah. said that one day she was working. There was no guests. There was only a few staff members. And someone, their her front desk phone rang. She picked it up, asked, said, hello, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. No one was there. And so she was kind of confused. So she was like, well, what if I go to that room and see if anybody's actually in there to yeah. make sure that they're okay? Yeah. Or if, like, the phone's actually working or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she goes up there. And it's an empty bedroom. And she calls the front desk and it works perfectly fine mm-hmm. so she's like okay whatever so she leaves goes back down to the front desk and the phone rings again no and she answers and says hello and all she could hear was some breathing at the other end of the phone and so she hung up and was mm-hmm. like oh hell no absolutely not i feel like i feel like if you're like interested in things like this like clearly we are like, some people have the balls to go and, like, stay there or, like, have the balls to go and investigate. But, like, if you work there, I just don't know. Like, my my mental no. state would be, like, it's, in these things. Like, especially if you know how haunted it is because it's clearly haunted. Yeah. This, this, this one got me. This one's spooky. You gave me the spooks. <laughs> I gave you the goosebumps. You gave me the oops. And I meant to mention this at the beginning, but, like, I'm a firm believer that, like, the more that you think about stuff like this... And the more that you kind of, like, entertain 
the idea open you are yeah you kind of like open your mind up to like a wavelength that you know other things there is a possibility so within the last week or so some weird things have been happening to me shut and every time i'm like i fucking did this to myself and i'm always like "Mm, someone did that like Mm -hmm. i say it out loud i'm like oh whoever you whoever did that like what happened two things that are like i guess they're very minor but like the other stuff's like not even worth because it could be debunked but I have this like little lip mask container. It's this little cylinder and it has a lid that you unscrew and it comes with this little spatula that's completely separate that you you take it out and you put it on your lips with a little spatula. Mm-hmm. And I use it like every single day. It's really good. It keeps my lips chapped because Utah is so dry. And I keep the spatula like right on top of it in like a little tissue so it doesn't get like gross. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. I can't find it. I have the tissue paper the tissue's empty and i'm like what the fuck and i'm looking everywhere i'm digging everything out of the drawer because like yeah i could have moved something and it got like misplaced right i'm like fuck did i throw it away i like looked over the top of the garbage i'm like no it's not here i turn and i look it is sitting in the smack of the middle of my drawer with nothing else around it <gasps> and i had just like disheveled it and moved stuff around i'm like what and i literally was home alone and i was like oh someone did that oh my god and i was like dude oh my god and we have this whiteboard right across from the bathroom and it's big and it's high because me and kyle are tall ass people and we have this little like suction cupped container where the markers the dry erase board are in Mm -hmm. and it's fallen a few times it gets loose whatever it falls and the markers fall behind our shoe rack and they go and we have to move everything Mm -hmm. we wake up the the other morning two days ago and it is just sitting on top of my stacked ugg boots i have like sneakers and then ugg boots on top of the like it was gently place right in the middle like if it wasn't in that exact spot it would have been like teetered forward teetered back and it would have spilled everywhere but it was right in the middle of it sitting and kyle literally goes that could not have happened and i said someone put that there oh my god he goes i didn't and i was like yeah i know you didn't so I've been, creeps. you know, a little extra. <laughs> You're like, this is why I have goosebumps because the shit <laughs> happening to me. Well, this is why, you know, putting more energy into it. Like, yeah, I listen to this type of shit all the time. But now, like, right. I'm putting more energy into investigating it and, like, bringing right. it up. And we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So I've been a little bit more, you know, like, okay, like, let me say my prayers. You know, got to keep my so energy up. Be positive. Because, sage. I mean, I live in an apartment building. It's not like, it's not like. This place could be, like, haunted, but, like, I just think you can invite – you could be on a wavelength where your mind is open up to certain types of energy that I've just been definitely on lately. Yeah. I can't wait to be home for this whole week and, like, not doing <laughs> research and be like, Ooh, okay, and bye, Kyle. something's <laughs> going to happen to you while you're in New York. <sighs> well, I'll report back if I – if it does. I'll keep you guys on my saga if something happens, but <laughs> – yeah. This was good. Yeah, that was – We got spooky. I, I got spooky. I got, got Did you either. finish your story? I'm sorry uh yeah i feel like we just started like it talking was, I'm it's sorry. really short and paranormal is always short yeah i feel like it is it's not as much fact and like when you mm-hmm. do the true crime stuff like i said you like want to make sure you like get everything you don't miss anything because someone could be mad if you mix like something important but right i yeah. love the spookies yeah. i definitely I, got some goose cam i really like this one because it does it's so haunted mm-hmm. like it's been haunted since the 1920s and so mm-hmm. and there's lots of good things about it so it i definitely didn't mean to say that i just realized i said goose cam that is an atww thing is. i'm not stealing their it shit is. i just listened to that so much and i love them but i did get a little goosebump and i'm like ooh, goosebumpy <sighs> well i'm glad you got scared hell yeah let's keep it up <laughs> keep it up next week is arkansas arkansas we're going you know 
what is that down south going down south i don't really know no is it not yeah it's like kansas but yeah arkansas that's what kyle keeps saying it's like arkansas yeah (laughs) and i'm on paranormal and i'm gonna try to give you some good spooks Ooh, i'm ready for some goosies okay let's do it true crime paranormal every monday shout out (laughs) shout out every monday Um, follow us on our socials at my true normal Mm mm-hmm we appreciate mm-hmm. you guys. Thank you so much for riding along with us. Hell yeah. We're so excited for episode four next week. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's so crazy. I know already four. I know. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And have a good night. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.